0: Don't you think we ought to make up some animal noises in case we get separated? I've been nominated for membership in the National Geographic Society. Through so a lot of details, that never came out. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking about weird things. Okay, not exactly weird things, but weird things sounds cooler. Oh, we're talking about weird things today. I'm calling this a weird things episode because a lot of the things that I'm going to mention today are things that I grew up with, but by today's standards would probably seem pretty weird. Either that we had them, or that they were a thing, or that we did them, or that we ate them. So I think weird probably covers it. It's not bad, it's not good, it's just different. So I'm not using weird as a pejorative. It's just weird stuff by today's standards. Like, for instance, one of the weirdest things these days is how alien the concept of household chores is. When I was a kid, it was absolutely normal that every kid in every household had household chores. I've talked about this before, but we always had to make our beds. Although I did develop a way around that. Just pull the cover tight and it looks made. But we were always supposed to make our beds We would have vacuuming duty, we'd have buffing the floor duty, we had lawn mowing duty, we had clean the bathroom duty, we all had things that we had to do. Set the table, clear the table, do the kitchen work. We all had stuff that we were expected to do. And when my kids were little, I tried to carry on this tradition of, you've got responsibilities, but enforcement these days is very different than it was when I was a kid. If dad said it when I was a kid, we did it, period. End of story. And so we got our chores done before we could do other things. I don't know if it's a parental failing on my part. Maybe I wasn't intimidating enough. But it's not just my kids. It's all kids seem to have far fewer chores, far fewer lawn mowing duties, far fewer setting the table duties, far fewer vacuuming duties than when I was a kid. So that's the kind of weird thing that I'm talking about. It's a different thing. It's different now than it used to be. Now, another weird thing from when I was a kid is the ice cream truck. Now, this is a weird thing both from where you grew up And from the fact that we don't hang out outside like we used to. When I was a real little kid, we lived in a town with an ice cream truck. And I have a memory from way back when. I don't remember how old I was, but it was before we were in New Jersey. So I wasn't five years old yet. So this must be one of those traumatic memories that just stays with you because it hit me so hard at the time. But I do remember the ice cream truck coming around. And just like in the movies, just like on TV, the ice cream truck would play a little jingle, and you'd know when the ice cream truck was around. And it would be time to go run for the ice cream truck and buy your ice cream. Now, we didn't do that very often. We didn't have a lot of discretionary cash when I was a little kid. But every once in a while, I was allowed to go get ice cream. Now, the truck never stopped in front of our house. It always stopped at the corner. And as a kid less than five years old, I wasn't carrying around any cash. So if the ice cream truck came, I had to go get money from mom. And the ice cream truck didn't stay forever. So you had to get your money and you had to go. And yes, this is back in a time when a five-year-old could run up to the corner by himself. Mom wouldn't have to go with me. I could just run up to the corner with my nickels and go buy my ice cream. But I had to go get the nickels. And I remember hearing the ice cream truck this one day. And I remember running up to my mom and asking for nickels for ice cream. And she gave me three nickels, which was enough for an ice cream sandwich. And I remember being excited and running off the porch. And to get from the porch... To the corner where the ice cream truck was, I could either obviously run down the driveway and up the sidewalk, but that would take too long. So I would cut across the neighbor's yard to do this. But doing this shortcut, there was this little drainage ditch, and so you had to run across the drainage ditch, up the little hill, and across the yard. And the memory I have is sprinting across that drainage ditch and somehow losing my footing. I crossed the ditch, hit the other side, and went down like I was shot. (laughs) And I just have this vivid image in my mind of the three nickels popping out of my hand, silhouetted against the sky, and tumbling into the grass. And I was beside myself. Because number one, I fell. And number two, my nickels were gone. And of course, with no nickels, there's no ice cream sandwich. And I started crawling around looking for the nickels, couldn't find them. And I remember just being so upset that I couldn't go get my ice cream sandwich. And I don't ever remember that we found those damn nickels. But that was the effect that the ice cream truck had on a little kid. You'd hear that little jingle and you'd want to head for the ice cream truck. Go get the ice cream. Good Humor was one of the big ice cream trucks. And you've seen pictures of them. The white truck with the refrigerated compartment on the back. The menu on the side. Everything from ice cream cones to ice cream sandwiches. They had those red, white, and blue popsicle things. They had frozen ices. So when I was a little, little kid, we had an ice cream truck in our neighborhood. But when we moved to New Jersey... We were in a very rural area, and I discovered, much to my dismay, that ice cream trucks didn't make the trip to rural New Jersey. And so for the rest of my childhood, no ice cream trucks. So for a long period of my life, all I had was this vivid little memory from when I was like four or five years old of running for the ice cream truck and losing my nickels. It wasn't until I was in my 20s and I discovered down at the Jersey Shore that they always had ice cream trucks down there. They made the rounds up and down the streets, selling ice cream to everybody on the beach. And hearing those jingles for the first time, oh, brought back memories. And as an adult raising my kids, I've lived in towns where they have ice cream trucks, but they don't make the rounds like they used to. And I live in a town now where it would be possible to have an ice cream truck, but you don't see ice cream trucks anymore. Maybe if you're at the beach at a shore town, I still see them occasionally down at the Jersey Shore. But boy, the classic ice cream truck. It was a cool thing, a weird thing to be sure, but it doesn't really exist the way it did when I was a kid. Another thing that I don't see too much anymore is something from the supermarket. When I was a kid, I would go shopping with my mom. When I was 6, 7, 8, 10, 12, we would go to the store with mom. Not every time, because sometimes we were in school when she'd shop, but when we did go to the store with mom, you know, during summer vacations, during school holidays, Because mom's shopping trip, come hell or high water, she went to the supermarket. And if the kids were home, we went with her. So for me as a kid, one of the cool things about being in the supermarket, you got to stand on the front of the shopping cart, hold on to it while mom was pushing, and you got to ride around the supermarket. I don't know why that was a cool thing to me, but riding on the front of the shopping cart, that was a thing, man. It was a thing. It was such a thing that my brother and sister and I would fight over the right to do that. And we'd have to take turns. And we weren't the only kids. Other kids in the supermarket were fighting over the right to ride on the front of the shopping cart. We wanted to get pushed around on the shopping cart. Now, this is obviously when we're all too big to sit in the little seat that they had for kids. Because, you know, in shopping carts, they have that seat where you put little toddlers. And they have the space for their little legs to go through. We were all way too big for that. But standing on the front of the shopping cart, doesn't matter what size you are, you could do it. But you know what? I don't remember the last time I've seen a kid ride on the front of a shopping cart like that. When I was a kid, it was a thing. I don't think it's been a thing for ages. Here's another thing that we don't have anymore. Probably we're better for it. But when I was growing up, tube socks were a thing. Now, I'm not sure if they're called tube socks because they came in a tube, because they look like a tube, or because they make your leg look like it's in a tube. But tube socks were white socks... They didn't have a heel. You would just pull it on your foot. And it was a long sock, almost like a knee sock. A good tube sock you would put on your foot, pull it all the way up your calf, and it would end just below the knee. And the tube socks had colorful stripes at the top. And you would wear your tube socks with your shorts and with whatever basketball shoe or tennis shoe you were wearing. And you didn't scrunch them down. You didn't fold them over. You proudly wore your tube socks. I had plenty of tube socks. Not only did I have plenty of tube socks... I would wear them with my coach's shorts. I've talked about coach's shorts before. You can Google a picture of coach's shorts if you don't know what I'm talking about. But I had some coach's shorts with stripes on the side. And the stripes on my coach's shorts would match the stripes on my tube socks. Because, you know, that was cool. The other thing that would go with the tube socks and the coach's shorts? Sweatbands. And, occasionally, headbands. Made of terry cloth, Usually in the color combination to match the stripe on your tube socks. Yes, it was a thing. I would wear my tube socks to play basketball, and I'd have my matching headband and my matching wristband. And you know what? If you Google footage from an NBA game back in the 70s, you'll see the same thing on the NBA courts. Tube socks, wristbands, headbands, all color coordinated. This was important stuff when I was growing up. Thankfully, not so much now. Another weird thing from when I was a kid, pet rocks. I'm sure you've heard of them but they were legitimately a thing in the 70s and the early 80s. Some advertising executive had the idea of getting rocks and gluing googly eyes on them. Then he would put those rocks in a box with a little paper around it to make it look like a nest and have pet rock put on the outside of the box. And they would sell these in gift shops. Not only gift shops. You could find them in places like James Way, which is like a precursor to Kohl's, or Kmart or Sears, or any of the department stores, because pet rocks became a thing. I know, rocks are free, just go outside. But people, I guess, didn't want that extra step of gluing eyes on their rocks from the yard, so they'd go to the store and buy a pet rock. Pet rocks were popular around the same time that mood rings came into being, too. You've probably heard about mood rings. They were big in the 70s and early 80s, kind of faded, they've come back a little. But a mood ring was a ring you would put on your finger, and it would supposedly change color to match your mood. And it depended on the kind of ring you had. Some were a band, some had a stone on it, and I guess the stone and the band were reactive to body heat, and so they would change color. Did they actually reflect your mood? No, of course not. But it was a novelty thing that people really bought into. So we grew up with pet rocks and mood rings. Don't ask me why, but we did. Another thing that we grew up with, which was a little weird but more cool, especially given the time period we're talking about, was the Viewmaster. Now, the Viewmaster, scientifically, is what's called a stereoscope. It's a viewer where you have pictures in a box, basically. And they're matching pictures, but when you view them through the stereoscope, they have a 3D feel to them. It's almost like early virtual reality, except it was a still picture. The cool thing about the Viewmaster is you would look at the pictures through a Viewmaster and it had a sense of three dimensions. And it was pictures, at least in the early Viewmasters, of famous landmarks, the Taj Mahal, the Empire State Building, Mount Rushmore, places that a lot of people couldn't actually get to. But you could see these 3D pictures of them and get a sense of what they were like. Now, the Viewmaster kind of looked like binoculars. It had a little lens for each eye and then each lens opened up into the box where the pictures were. And the Viewmaster had little reels, which was basically a disc that fit into the Viewmaster. It was about the thickness of a thick sheet of paper and pressed in this disc were the slides. And the Viewmaster had a little lever that would rotate the disc every time you hit the lever. So you'd click between scenes. So if you were looking, for instance, at a vacation spot reel, your first picture might be of the Empire State Building. You'd click the lever, then you'd get Mount Rushmore, then you'd click the lever and get the Eiffel Tower. As the years went by, Viewmaster changed the things it featured on its discs, and it went from tourist attractions and travel views to TV shows and celebrities. I remember a Viewmaster reel with Star Trek on it. I remember I Love Lucy. I remember the Beverly Hillbillies. They would take still pictures from the scenes of the show and put them on Viewmaster Reels. You could also get Disney Reels featuring Disneyland, Disney characters, scenes from Disney movies. Long before there was a way to go to Google and just look for a picture of the Magic Kingdom, for instance, you could go to the store and buy some Viewmaster Reels and check out Disneyland. You can still find Viewmasters. It's just the novelty and the reason for having them doesn't exist anymore. You can just as easily, probably more easily, go click on a YouTube video to check out Disneyland. But when I was a kid, boy, the Viewmasters were cool. You could see things that you wouldn't otherwise see. I mean, sure, you could look up Mount Rushmore in the encyclopedia, because remember, pre-Google, and you could see a picture of Mount Rushmore. But that was a black and white picture in an old encyclopedia on the reference stacks in the library. But sitting in your living room with your ViewMaster and getting a picture of Mount Rushmore right there in color, looking like you could reach out and touch it, that was cool. There were other cool things when I was a kid that by today's standards are probably kind of weird. Playgrounds were really cool when I was a kid. But if you look at them with today's eyes, it was really weird, the stuff that we did and the stuff that we had. First of all, playgrounds when I was a kid, there was no cushioning. There were no shredded tires. There was no astroturf. There was no bouncy foam under the swing set. We had dirt and grass. That was the base for our playground. They would basically put a playground up in an empty field. If it was a city park, it was just a plot of grass somewhere in the park. And then they'd put rides and slides and stuff in that area and call it a playground. If you fell down, you got dirty. If you slid, you got grass stains. That's what playgrounds were. Playgrounds also had some pretty deadly but pretty fun rides and attractions. The merry-go-round, for instance, was not the thing you see at the county fair with the horses that go up and down and it goes to calliope music. Nah, the merry-go-round at the playground was a circular platform set on an axle that stuck out of the ground. You would get on the merry-go-round on this circular platform, which fortunately had handles. You would stand off the merry-go-round and grab one of the handles and you would run pushing the circular platform to get it spinning. And then you would jump on and spin, spin, spin until gravity slowed you down. And the cool thing was, try to get it going as fast as you could go. And if you had two or three people running, even better because you could get it going faster. And then all would jump on at the same time and spin, spin, spin. And of course, it was all made of metal. The platform was metal. The handles were metal. There was no padding. If somebody fell, oops, bang their head. Eh, well, rub some dirt in it. But the merry-go-round was cool. For the smaller kids, they had horses on giant springs. It was a little kid-sized cartoony horse mounted on a giant spring that was fixed to the ground. And if you hopped on the horse, you could bounce around like you were on a horse. Or at least like you were on a horse as a kid would imagine being on a horse. Those were cool too. No playground would be complete without swings. We had swings. But they weren't those rubber seats that hugged your butt like they do now. If you haven't been to a playground recently, the seats on swings are like a strap of rubber that forms around you and holds you in place. As soon as you sit on it, it kind of grabs onto your butt. When I was a kid, the seats on swings were usually made of either wood or metal. It was basically a 2x6 piece of wood or metal that was just wide enough to accommodate a kid's butt. The beauty of these swings was you could get yourself going back and forth, back and forth. You would try to get yourself going as high as you could. Of course, all of us tried to figure out if we could get it going over the top, swing high enough so you could do a full loop, which of course you never could do, but it didn't stop you from trying. But the other part of being on a swing like that, where it doesn't grip your butt as you're swinging, is when you get to a certain height, and if you time it right, you can jump off and see how far you can go. That was the cool part about the swings. It was like a long jump contest. Swing back and forth. Then back and forth and back and forth and jump yeah of course you might hurt yourself but you also might beat vinny if you go six inches further than vinny you win yeah swings are cool playgrounds also had slides when i was a kid they were made of metal no plastic slides when i was a kid it was a big sheet of metal and yes in the summertime it was like sitting down on a frying pan so you wanted to make sure your shirt's covered all the way down your legs, or at least covered enough of your butt so you wouldn't fry yourself on the way down. My dad actually found a metal slide at an auction one year, and I don't remember where he found it. I don't remember what sale he went to. And most importantly, I don't remember how he got it home, because that slide was a good 10 feet tall. You would climb a 10-foot ladder to get to the top of the slide. It was a metal slide, and you'd slide all the way down. And Dad got it home, put it in our backyard, and we had a 10-foot metal slide in our backyard for all of my childhood. And slides were fun. Not only for sliding yourself, but launching toys. You could put your Tonka truck at the top, launch it down the slide, and let it go. See how far you could go with it. Playgrounds also had monkey bars when I was a kid. Again, no padding. Metal monkey bars. Some would be kind of like a rectangular cage climbing up to the top. Some would have a domed top. Some had ladders that went across, connecting one rectangular section to another. Some had rings. Again, all made of metal. Some were really tall, 15, 20 feet. And if you fell, oh well, rub some dirt in it. I do remember my dad actually bought us for Christmas, I think it was, an actual metal set of monkey bars. Very colorful, red, green, blue bars. As a kid, I didn't think about this, but it had 9 million pieces that my dad had to put together. And he did. And boy, it kept us busy. It kept us busy. The set we had, I think, was 10 feet tall. And yeah, you'd climb up there. Sure, you might fall, but you might not. Probably wouldn't, but it wasn't a concern. We had monkey bars and a slide in our backyard. It kept us busy when mom made us go outside to play. The other thing that kept us busy, also a fixture in playgrounds when I was a kid, the seesaw. Some call it the teeter-totter. We called it the seesaw. And what that is, it's a hunk of wood on a brace, and you put one kid on one side, one kid on the other, and you go up and down. That's it. The kid on the low side pushes with his legs and goes up. The kid who was on the high side then goes down. She pushes with her legs, then she goes up and it's back and forth like that. And that was a ride and it was fun. We loved that. My dad actually built one of those for us and my dad built a humongous seesaw. As I sit here today remembering, it probably wasn't that huge. But as a kid, boy, this was the biggest seesaw I'd ever seen in my life. My dad installed the brace out in the yard. I call it brace, whatever you call that fulcrum center of a seesaw. And then the seesaw itself, it had to be at least 10 feet long. My dad painted it in colorful red and green stripes, varnished it so it would hold up against the weather, mounted it on the fulcrum base, whatever you call that thing that the seesaw is on. And we got some use out of that, let me tell you. Again, it was fun because you could put kids on it, but you could also launch things with it. Put your little truck on the low end, go to the high end, slam it down as hard as you could, and see how high you could make the truck go. Seesaws were fun. For me, as you know, I was a bigger kid, so I would be on one end if the kids were playing, and it would usually take two of my friends on the other end to lift me up. Even my brother and sister working together weren't enough to bring me up. That's how big I was and how little they were. But if I got Vinny and Ray over, they could do the job. But yeah, we played with the seesaw all of the time. And that seesaw was a fixture out there for years. Nowadays, there's so much padding and the seesaws are so short. I mean, a seesaw these days, if you see one at all, maybe six feet long. So there's just a little bit of a rise on each end of it. When I was a kid, we would go way high up in the air. We were way up there. Because, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You fall down, bang your head, rub some dirt in it. That's all. We didn't worry about stuff like that. We were having fun. Another weird thing that I remember as a kid, and it's not really so weird, I guess the weirdness comes from the fact that it existed at all, frozen ice pops. You remember flavor ice? Some people call them otter pops. Some people call them pop ice. It's those little plastic sleeves with colored liquid in them. Really all it is is flavored water. And you'd put these little sleeves in the freezer and they'd freeze up. Orange, cherry, grape, lime, whatever that blue is. Something berryish, I guess. There was always a blue one, but it wasn't blueberry. It was some kind of berry. But those were the colors. Orange, cherry, grape, lime, and blue. And that was the big treat when we were a kid. And I know why. They were cheap, and it shut us up. You can still find frozen ice pops. And that's one of the weird things from my childhood that still persists today. You can find flavor ice. You can find pop ice. And of all the weird things that existed when I was a kid, these still exist, and kids still love them. Yeah, it's weird. Savoring sweetened frozen water. But what the hell? We're kids. We're supposed to like that stuff. And we did. Honestly, still do. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I can't thank you enough for all the time you spend here and all the time you give me. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.